Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 343 Podcast, where we tirelessly work to elevate the level of discourse and practitionership here in American soccer. I'm your host, Gary Kleiben, and today I'm joined by someone I consider a friend and colleague of many years, Kefren Fuller. Kef has been in football his entire life and has a resume too long to do justice here. Just know that he's played, he's coached, and he's doing a ton of work through his company, Joga SC, based out of Amsterdam. Kef was among the first to connect with me when 343 was first getting off the ground in 2009. I still remember those days quite vividly, and I still remember our first engagements. It's when blogs first started arriving on the soccer scene, and a lot of independents who weren't employed by a media outlet started writing about the game. Yes, including yours truly. Anyways, someone had written an article back then where they claimed the United States already had several world-class players. They had mentioned Dempsey, Donovan, Chirundolo. Beasley might have also made that list. I don't perfectly recall. Guys, you could imagine what was running through my mind. But putting the expletives aside for a moment, I was like, what on earth did I just read? I mean, I had no words. How can somebody believe this? So, like many back then, I went into the comments section and proceeded to explain in a nice, thoughtful, long-form way, how this is simply not true. Keep in mind, there was no Twitter as we know it back then. All the action happened in the comments section of blogs. The author, of course, responded and naturally tried to defend his position. Then there was this person, Kefren, using his real name, who also jumped in with his angle on why these particular players are nowhere near world-class. That right there sparked a friendship that continues to this day. So, okay, fast forward to today. We just randomly decided to jump on a couple of calls and have a chat. The following episode is going to be part one of two. This one deals with player development. Kef has operated for many years in the United States, but for the last handful, he's been in Europe and also has had a significant number of trips, meaningful trips, to South America for this particular business that we're all in together, called soccer. Player development from youth to pro to the national teams is a jigsaw puzzle. That is to say, it's complicated. But that's not to say one can't generally or specifically nurture players in not just the right direction, but in a pretty optimized direction given their specific circumstances. There's all kinds of factors involved, and here, Kef and I have a stream of consciousness talk from our accumulated experiences. That's not to say this is an extensive chat, not by any measure. We're just getting started. But okay, I hope you enjoyed the episode, but if you're a coach or a soccer parent, please take a moment to hear what sponsors this episode, as those products would directly benefit your coaching trajectory or your kid's trajectory in this system. And if you're a general fan of the podcast, fucking awesome. Your support is a way to help bring about the soccer world you'd like to see in this country. But until we have 343 merch you can sport, please simply go ahead and give us a five-star rating along with a glorious review. That simple gesture really does go a long way. Here we go. And now, a quick few second mentions on what sponsors this episode. It's the best way to support the podcast, but more important, greatly improve your current soccer situation. First. If you're a coach, you've got to check out 343coaching.com. 
there are both free and premium programs for you there. The premium program in particular gives you full access to watch and listen to players, teams, and coaches in the real-life training environment. Now, what I mean by that is that the film and audio are not staged or scripted, such as what you would get at a conference or a typical course or video online. No, no, no. You get to be a legit fly-on-the-wall and steady Brian, who basically helped pioneer a seismic shift in American soccer on how to develop youth players at every level. Among the many now professional players who were under his direct tutelage across many teams, one team in particular, which he started at U10 and led through U19, really stands out. Over a handful of players on that team became professionals. It's incredible work. And the actual training of that team and those players is what you get to use to catapult your coaching. Okay, second, let's say you're not a coach but you're a parent of a youth player looking for how to best put them on a proper path. The solution for you guys is at 343masterclass.com. And third, if you'd consider going to a private school for academics, either here in the States or in Europe, that also has an integrated soccer program, you should check out acceleratorschool.com. Critically important, the solutions for coaches, for parents, and for players are offered from people who have actually done the work and have an unprecedented track record in the United States. All right, I hope you enjoy this episode. We're just scratching the surface here, folks, but it's an important starting point for us to further expand down the line. I don't know, this time, if you have something on your mind, go for it, because last time you talked, you asked me, hey, what's happened in the US, you know, fill me in or whatever. Yeah. And then I went off on a long, I don't know. I did all of the talking last time, right? As the <laughs> yeah, it's good. I mean, you know, one of the things I guess that's been uh, on my mind, and I think it's going to have to be much longer, but you being from Argentina, myself, okay, I'm African-American, but, you know, I think I would, most of my friends, my best friends ended up being African, Caribbean guys. So that's where I got the, the culture of football because I didn't have the culture of my family. I've been really questioning essentially the idea of the better players are coming from there or, or where people want to invest their money are coming from these backgrounds. What's the difference in development? You see me on Twitter, I always put that. I'm like, okay, none of us go to these places. No one's doing the coaching. I mean, there are people who go, but you know, the general idea is that most people don't go there. Most people don't go to hear their voices. Most people don't know the coaches there. And even when you see the players come up, you don't see some great coach behind this guy. Like, you know, in Europe, like if Schalke has a great class of guys, everybody's talking about this youth academy coach that was like uh, some kind of, extra, you know, this, this special guy. And that's the reason it happened, right? And you always see this in Europe. But in South America, after all, you don't really even see that. It's like, but year upon year, it's like people just keep coming out of nowhere. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm really intrigued about that. Um, and why, and are we structuring things too early, or is it a cultural thing, environmental thing? Like, what what is really the difference between why Real Madrid is spending money in Brazil and France, but not spending money on Spanish players? Yeah, it's deep. I know so it's part of big. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a huge topic. Um, yeah. and like I always say, outside of the hard sciences like physics like math, things are very, very gray 
you know, you can take it to the extreme where something like politics is extremely gray. It's the gray of the grace of the gray. Yeah. And then you have something in the middle, maybe with like sports, because sports is partially objective and partially uh, subjective. And yeah. um, so, so it's a complex problem. I've over the years have been trying to categorize what are the main influences in developing a player. And I kind of broke it, broken it down into like five categories. It's, it okay. goes something like the team training environment, the personal training environment, the individual on their own, you know, doing stuff. And then there's the household environment and maybe some other sort of outside factors, right? So all of those things influence the player. Now it's a matter of if you can be a hundred percent and all five of those categories, holy cow, all bow down. Right. Yeah, but that's yeah. not, but that's not, but that's not reality. You know, some yep. players like take what you just finished saying. I concur with you that in Brazil and Argentina, obviously for those who might be new to, to the podcast, my entire family and extended family is from Argentina. I mean, I was born and raised in the United States, but my entire culture is kind of like that, you know? And every time I would travel to Argentina, I would see what you're describing. There's pickup games happening all over the place. There's little 5v5 fields all over the place. Uh, within, you know, one kilometer, there's another 5v5. So people can just skip around and be getting all kinds of games in. And there's no coaches. There's no structure. There's no nothing. And I think they are like at a, they get an A+. Plus on that front, the cultural yep. development, the play on your own development, the, the pickup game development, all of that stuff is an A plus. Now on the infrastructure and team training club structure environment, mm, not it's not Europe. Europe is an A, right? Or an A yeah. plus. So yeah. here in Argentina, it's kind of like, maybe you get a B minus, you know, or, or, or something like that. It's, okay. it's not great. And that's not to say that the instruction isn't great. I'm sure the instruction is great. It's just generally speaking, the facilities aren't pristine. Um, I mean, I've been to Argentino juniors and it's a disaster. I mean, the fields are not, you would, if you went, if I'll put it to you this way, if U.S. soccer went to inspect some of the pro club, uh, fields there where their academies play. They, yep. you, they would say, no, sorry, you can't join the development Academy. You don't, your, your infrastructure doesn't qualify. <laughs> yeah. You don't know it's yeah. It's to that level, man. Yep. So I know what you're talking about. And then, but then you go to Europe and then the structure is an a plus, you know, yep. the whole, the whole pathway is like an a plus it's all clearly delineated. Everybody has PowerPoint presentations and shit. Right. And they, and they, they have all the science down. They have people doing data analytics and tracking yeah. of, of nutrition and all this shit or whatever. Yeah. Um, they're doing everything. Yeah. But then on the cultural front and the pickup game front and stuff, mm, B minus. I don't know. Cause in France, right. There's, there is a lot of that in Spain. There is still a lot of that, but it's not like Brazil or Argentina. So you yeah. see like, like you have all these categories and you get an A one place, you get a B in another place, you get a C in another place and yeah. you put it all together and that's the footballer. So, exactly. so yeah. let me be, before I shut up my, my remaining point here in Brazil and Argentina, I think they have maybe the order of it, right. Even though it's an accident. Okay. The okay, order, the order, generally speaking, is if you got the culture mm -hmm. it, as an A plus, 
if you have the the pickup game and the street game as an A plus early, then okay, you can have a raw tactical player at 16, yep. 17, but fucking hey, then okay, Real Madrid, I'll get Vinicius and then I'll I'll teach he's got all the tools at this point. Yep. Right? Yep. Then yep. I can teach him, hey, Vinicius. When the ball is in this circumstance, I want you on this left side of this blade of grass versus the right side of the blade of grass. You know, and then yep, yep. this can this can kind of be tough because he's a fuck. He, he's got it. He's got all the yep. tools, and he's not a dumb soccer player. He's yep. watched soccer his entire life, so he understands football, right? Yep. But now yep. you put him in the infrastructure, and they shine. But you yep. do the reverse. The reverse doesn't work, Kev. In my opinion, if you have yep. all the structure pristine, you got MLS, you got pristine fields, you got this uh, development academy thing going on or whatever. Everybody's a robot, you know. And then they graduate to the pro game. They don't have the raw skills of Vinicius or Neymar or, or Paredes or Messi. You name it, and you can. And yeah. then you can't go back. You're you fucked. Can't go back. At seven, you cannot get that culture. It's over. Is it, it, it's so interesting that you say this because you know we're doing that project in Colombia in, in in Cartagena. So I went down there and I saw those fields, right? So I remember we got down there. I'm like, oh man! I was talking to our investor. I was like, we're gonna need we're gonna need to turf this. We're gonna need to we need to do this for more. You know, we're thinking all this stuff. The Colombian said, no, 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 no. This is what makes the sauce, the recipe. Them playing on this field. So I'm like, all right, let's see. Man, they had a U10 game. They're putting seven, eight, nine year olds in the game. They're playing 11 v 11. So this, so I'm already like, man, why are you playing 11 v 11 with seven, eight, nine year olds? You know, thinking like old America style. My man, when they jumped on the field, the things that they knew and the intelligence that they had without anybody, I know they didn't spend time. You know what I mean? I know there wasn't like a, a big, like structural kind of development. The things that they could do and know already 11 v 11, that kids who are eight years old, knew how to spread the field, knew when they won the ball somewhere that they needed to make a run in behind the defensive line because they understood the situation and what needed to happen in the situation, right? I was like, damn, <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, maybe I need to shut up, you know? And what's great about it, we actually ended up taking two Colombians with us for three months here in Holland. So uh, one was named Ronaldo, other one Alex. And it was interesting, you know, I, I moved them around. One Ronaldo, he was a left back whole time i might actually need to show him to you <laughs> but um he was a left back the whole time but he's not extremely quick but he's got skills like marcelo like he's just my man is so skillful everything i say i'm gonna play you in the middle i played him in the middle man and he was like a little santi Cazola mixed with conte kind of thing he would break out of trouble but then he's tough as hell because he's played defense his whole life so he's a small guy he's got to crack people so that's what you do he'll just go crack you you know he'll, he'll do everything that was necessary. And I was sitting there, I was like, I was telling the scouts, I was like, guys, he's on, this is only his second, third game. You know, so we had FCU track watching the game, Pexwola, some of those clubs watching the game. And I was like, this is third game. I was like, my man's like 18 years old. I was like, if you put him somewhere for a good two years and you develop this guy, he's just, and, and listen, they're playing with cleats where it's taped up. Our players, are, our, our boys, the U.S. boys are giving them cleats because they're, listen, I mean, I'm sitting there and they're just going through it all like, this is what we do. And so, like you said, that culture part, and guess what, Gary? So when you do like the, uh, let's say you do the Corver stuff, like you do something like that, the, the, un the unopposed dribbling stuff. Let's say you do some of that stuff for warm-up or whatever. They suck at it. <laughs> They're absolutely horrible. If you watch them, you'd be like, 
ah, not really. Okay. They went and they started playing. Like we did some games kind of street. We'll play some futsal or even in the session possession, just the natural instincts and everything. They're dogging people. And I was sitting there. I'm like, damn. In the States, like you said, it's like, I think in one pot, I, I, I told people at home, I was like, American kids that are trying to be top players, because, you know, America has that, I think America has that kind of like individual tennis, golf type of thing when it comes to team sports. So it's like, you know, gymnastics, like, okay, I got to do it four hours. I got to do it four hours. So there's soccer players in the States that were training four or five hours a day. And they're with their private training coaches. They're, they're working hard as hell. They're doing all that stuff. But then when I see you on the field, I'm like, all right, cool. You beat all these younger kids. But I, don't, I don't see anything pretty much when they get older. I'm just being honest. I don't see that same kind of flip. I don't see, I see like you're beating younger kids. You're beating younger American kids who really don't have an understanding of the game. But if I brought you to Columbia, you're going to get, you're going to get hit. Like you try that shit. <laughs> you know, this is no robotic movements. You have to think you have to like, this guy's coming to crack you. This guy's going to pull your shirt. This guy's going to do this. And I'm like, he's going to get in your head. This isn't, this isn't, a guy putting cones down and teaching you, like, I, you got to do the Ronaldo step like this and you got to time it like this or racing like this. No, no, this is totally different. Like you said, the full footballer. So I actually think in the U.S., the structure with coaching obviously is not the greatest, but it's improving. Let's say it's improving. I would say that we're like 30% structure coaching. Like, you know what I mean? Or let, I'll, I'll do the A minus, B minus thing. I think we're like probably like a, at, a, at, a, at a D plus, right, with the coaching. And I would say we're A plus with private training, right? That's a big thing. Like, like I tell people, you will not, there are kids freaking training in the States. Like I try to get on my son and he's like, but I'm not doing all that. But the other sides, the culture, the pickup, the instincts are D, F, very below. And that's where I'm like, I don't know how you switch it up, but that's the thing I'm seeing. How could I take these comments? And look, my Spanish is, I took Spanish all through high school, AP, everything. I had to speak to those guys in Spanish. I did not give a lot of instructions, but I'd be like, Ronaldo, aquí. You know, I would just, very simple things, and these guys would play the whole system and play the whole game and pretty much figured it out. So it made me think, like, damn, all this stuff I've been saying, like, I'm actually a good coach or these guys are better players. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was like, all right, fair enough, you know? So I don't know. That's just, I mean, that's just been on my head, man. Cause now I'm going through this experience dealing with a totally different culture. And I'm like, all right, damn, like, what are we really, like, what are we really doing? Like, how does Luis Diaz come from playing in an indigenous team? Right. He's not even playing in the full, like the best of the best players in Colombia, but he comes from a, you know, the place he's coming from and now top of world football. So yeah. that, you know what I mean? And like, Europe is spending money, 65, 40 million, 30 million. They're not spending like, well, five million. They're spending like the big money on those guys. And then the kid they've had in their academy since he's been seven or eight, they don't give a shit about <laughs> You know what I mean? Oh, uh, you're not good enough. But they get all yeah, the PowerPoint man. presentations. <laughs> so so many, I, I took some notes while you were talking, man. All right, fair enough. I, yep. I, I think your observations are dead on. And we're basically talking about the player development jigsaw puzzle. Mm, yes. And, and so there's all these, like, like I mentioned over the years, I've been honing in on the, these specific categories and maybe giving them grades. I think you nailed the whole D plus and F on culture here in mm -hmm. the States. Yep. Uh, I think you nailed the, the D plus on coaching. I, I don't mm -hmm. think we're 
we get a passing grade quite yet, you know, but we're close to getting like, okay, C's get degrees sort of passing grade. Yeah, it's not yeah. great, but at least, oh my God, you at least have a C now. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah I yeah. think you're spot on yeah. there. You, you caught me a little off guard with the A plus on private training and, but maybe it's a different angle. I think the angle that you yep. were coming at it with is A plus because parents and the youth players here are quite committed to That's the word. finding a, yeah, to finding a, a personal trainer and going two times a week or whatever the heck it happens to be Five, for an hour and a half. I've seen it. Yeah. Yep. Even more. I, I, I'm being, I'm being uh, conservative here. Yep. But they're committed. Now, is what they're getting good? That's another question. You see? Fair so enough. so so, so that so that so that's why I kind of I'm like, oh, I need to talk to Catherine about this A plus rating on personal <laughs> training. Because in my opinion, you know, a lot of personal trainers are doing that Corver type stuff that you just finished mentioning. Yep. And I get it. Like it, the more you touch the ball, it's not gonna hurt you. It's a benefit. But yep. if you're doing what you do matters. So if you spend so much time zigzagging in and out of cones that are spread out a meter apart or something, that's just not realistic. You're developing uh, motor neurons to be able to do that particular skill, but you aren't going to be doing that skill in a game. That is yep. not, mm -hmm. that is not real. Okay. Yep. So you, you have to have good personal training. You yeah. have to have personal trainers who understand what is required at the highest levels and then use exercises or come up with exercises that develop those particular skill sets. Mm -hmm. That's number mm -hmm. one. Yep. Um, just like, you know, just the famous Johan Cruyff uh, quote, like, hey, uh, what is it about juggling? If you, if you can see a somebody who can juggle a thousand times, he's just a clown. He can't play football or something. You know, you yeah, know what I'm yeah, talking yeah, about? Yeah. Like I'm going to yeah. have to look it up and maybe inject that phrase here yeah. for everybody to know. But that's the point. That's number one for personal trainer. Another thing I think that personal trainers should be capable of doing is giving some of that culture, translating some of that culture to their player. Cause you're spending an hour, an hour and a half with the player in a particular day. Talk to him like footballers talk, you know, yeah. talk to him, get, talk to him about things or her, right. Or show him or her in a, in, in a vocabulary, in a body language that is Colombian or Brazilian or Argentinian or the culture that you just finished talking about, which is so highly coveted yeah. by the biggest clubs in the world. You know, yep. don't talk to the player necessarily, in my opinion like a robot, yep. you know, with no yep. flavor, with no culture, with nothing, you know? Yeah. I mean, might as well, <laughs> why are you even there if you're going to communicate and have that sort of body language? Yeah. So on all of those sorts of things, I think in the States, I would give personal training like a C. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. I, uh, you, you, I think you're right. The commitment, yeah, but, the commitment yeah. to it mm -hmm. is there. And I, because this, this is the thing, this is the biggest thing I see, because now obviously I, I you know, I focus on trying to bring Americans over here, just mm -hmm. train, play, showcase themselves. So I see a lot of kids. I'll, I'll see some kids and they're like, yeah, I've been, I'll be doing all these uh, technical exercises and training. And I'm like, look, you can do everything, man. You can flick the ball here. They're better than me with the ball. And I'm like, damn, I, I was pretty good with the ball. I could do all these tricks and stuff. And I'm like, all right, cool. But then I see you in the game and I'm like, bro, your first touch, someone was, t you're losing the ball to bounce. I'm like, but the Colombian kid who doesn't spend time doing 
that type of regimented training, the ball's like glue. It hits him, he flicks it. This kid, the kid Ronaldo, the same one I'm telling you about. Ronaldo, we played barefoot. Like, they didn't even have tennis shoes to bring from Colombia. I had to buy jackets when they were here and stuff, like when they got off the plane. And it was great because they adapted so quickly. Ronaldo, he played barefoot so much, he could t- turn his ankle in a certain way to flick the ball a certain way that you couldn't explain. And a one American kid that we had come, he's like, I never really played street like this. He's like, what they were doing to me, I couldn't even, I couldn't even fathom. I didn't know, like, what, what the hell is this, right? And I was sitting there, I was like, wow, the, the natural instincts and the actual, the game, like you said, related to the game, it's, the commitment in the States is so big, but I think parents and players get lost in, that is, that is tied to your ability or who you are as a player, and it is not. You got to go prove it on, like, that mentality part, like how you say, talk to, I used to talk to the players. I'm like, all right, we're doing, listen, I did all the corporate stuff. I used to train, you know, you saw my kids. I was training, training like crazy. But I'd be like, bro, we're now, we, we train for an hour. We're going to do two hours street. Yeah. So we're playing. It's like most of it was playing. It was like, there's a part of, okay, we're going to teach you, but there's a part of you play, you ball. Are you the best? Are, are you not the best? Like, you know, we're laughing if someone makes a, a, a if you get magged or a pana. Everyone's laughing at you. Okay, get off the court. Okay, we're playing. One time I had a practice, and um, I had at that time, they were all younger, but that, let's say, 03 to 06 is right? So I mixed them all up. You know, I'm like, hey, we're doing practice like this. We're inside this indoor court. I'm going to make three teams. I purposely put all the 06s together, right? Because I was like, listen, you're going to get the shit beat out of you. But I don't care. I want to see where you're at. So we're having a session. They keep getting, and if you got scored on, you're out. And you had to wait to the next goal. Two-hour session. You had to wait till the next goal. Well, sometimes the 04, 05, 06s are going at it. 06s are sitting watching for 20 minutes. Some of the parents at the end of the session were like, counting like, my kid only played like 25 minutes. Your kid better, your, your kid better get better. And, yep. and he understand. But listen, we think in America, I think we th- when they say you need to train four hours a day and, and, you know, Brazil, they're doing four hours a day. They're like, oh, they took too many touches. They, they're thinking like, so I'm like, guys. You see a kid, a guy, a kid sees a kid, a guy dribbling a soccer ball. That's information that's going into him. He's seeing people play. That's information going. It doesn't mean that they're walking and like they're sleeping on the ground. No, it just means that the whole environment, the culture, they're playing, they're playing for hours. And then you might see them playing for 30 minutes. You're like, oh, these kids aren't even that fucking serious. hundred percent. But people don't understand that they think it's like hardcore four hours, dripping yes. sweat training. Like get your 10,000 like, touches in or whatever, 10,000. They don't understand, man. It's robot. It's robot mentality. Like yep. it's all metrics. Oh, we got to yep. ca- capture the numbers, you know, the, yeah, how many that'll make you. you touch it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll make you. So that's the part that I'm really on. I'm like, okay, am I tripping? Because I see, listen, I, and no, it's, this is not hating on anybody who's doing this training. I'm just, mm-hmm. I, what I'm just trying to get the frame of mind. Like, I'm yeah. just thinking like this. First thing I want to do with my son, my son's seven, right? Sometimes I, I get too hard on, but I'm like, okay, I need to chill. But sometimes I'm like, ah, I need to be hard. But then I'm like, all right, you know what? What's going to wake this fool up is when I bring you to Columbia and you get shot. You know, someone just destroys you, either as being better than you or they tackle you or they do something. I want to put him in an uncomfortable situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to bring him to London and Paris where, you know, do you think Dembele, you saw Dembele's uh, Barcelona Barcelona's uh, 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 the juggling, the juggling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. You know, we could have brought an American kid, did like 10,000 jugglers. 
this guy was like, yo, what's a ball? <laughs> I'm going to put that in the show notes, man. <laughs> exactly. But you, you know what I mean? It's like, you look at that. And of course, you know, it's, it's not, and it's not to knock anyone. Does, it's just like, we have this, I, I think the main thing I, I'm, you know, it's always tied back to America because, you know, we're Americans, but I'm like, bro, go. I'm biggest thing is that I want to see what America's is your mentality. Go somewhere uncomfortable. And can you be the, the man or the woman? Can you be the absolute best player? Can you stamp your authority? Can you make people know that you're there? Because when you go to trials, or you go to situations, they're not going to pass you the ball. They're not there to be nice to you. They think you suck. All that stuff that kind of happens. So it's, I guess that's the part that I'm trying to tap into from the street cultural perspective. You know what I mean? I know the training, all that part, all those things. But in Europe, we're having the discussion the opposite way. Structure too much. Mm. Everybody in the academy, everybody structure. I mean, I met some teams here in Holland, man. They can fucking play. There's this one team we played. They got two or three kids going to Ajax. But I'm like, is it too much too soon? Right? Because they can play. They all know how to play. But I'm like, Ajax is still going to spend the money on Anthony from Brazil if you're a winger or you're a striker. So are we developing? I was talking to some coaches. like, are we developing strikers the way that we should? Because strikers, it's impulse, it's instincts. That's it, in, in my opinion. You, I think you teach people certain ways to look at things when they get older and moving, but it's like the best strikers are coming from Argentina, Brazil, France, where you have to figure the shit out how to score. You have to figure it out. Bigger guy, play, you, you, it's, it's like an instinct. It, it's nothing. They're you know, hunting. They're hunting. Exactly. They're hunting. If you don't mind me interjecting here with one thing, because I think it's vital. Yeah. I really, really don't want the audience or the public here to get it twisted and think, oh, so you guys are saying just let them play, right? Because then they they take that. You know what I'm talking about? Because then they take that mentality of what we're talking about here and they take that into their club team training environment. Yep. And you, as a parent or as a media person who propagates information or whatever, you think you start saying, oh, well, then if in the club they're doing all this structured stuff, they're doing it wrong. They should just let the kids play. I mean, mm. that's what Efren's talking about. That's what Gary's talking about. Yep. No, no, no. Do not get it twisted. The club team training environment is supposed to be executing team training right yep. this is how you play football in the collective in the team environment which is yep. what this sport is all about yep what i'm talking about and maybe you have a different angle on it kevin but what i'm talking about is all the stuff that's happening outside of the structure you feel me it's like mm-hmm. do you have that so do you have that pickup culture that you're participating in where as you described you might be a 10 year old kid who only got 20 minutes of playing time and you were there two and a half hours because whatever your team got eliminated the moment that you got in and you're waiting for your turn again and, and, and Gary, you, and, and you're not getting picked is that Gary and if I could say one thing when mm-hmm. I was saying that thing in our team training so all the people can know as well we played seven days a week so mm-hmm. th- this is what we weren't doing two days like so this wasn't like I get two days and I'm going to do this this pickup thing because I just want to do it this one time. No, no, no. Was, you can do, was, you can do any, you can do everything at that point. You can experiment every, with everything. Everything. Mm-hmm. It was three hours a day, three hours a day. So the boy, I was with these people more than when I was with my family. You know what I yeah. mean? So 
I was like, yo, we, we together 20, 21, 24 hours a week minimum, you know? So like you said, I was able to, to do this. So I'm, I'm with you. It's like, so people should be looking, it's, we're making a meal, right? And so not too much salt, not too much sugar. It's like, how do we pair it together? And I think, and I'm with you, people need to look at their situation, right? Are you coming from the suburbs? Are you living in an immigrant community? Are you living uh, in a community that uh, you have a lot of football? You have to look at it from those perspectives and then try to, like you said, piece the jigsaw puzzle together. And it's just, I guess the main thing, and I'm even toggling with this in my mind, I'm like, look, I would love people, because people come over here for soccer education and stuff. I'm like, look, I would love to do a trip. I'll bring you guys to Amsterdam, but not to go to some training. We'll go to the streets. We'll go to Paris. We'll go to the streets. We go to London. We go to the streets. Hell, mm-hmm. we'll go down to Columbia. We'll go to the streets. Right? Mm-hmm. Because I think that's what you need more of to develop the love, passion, and culture to connect with what you're doing in the States and obviously hopefully get better coaching, all that stuff. But you get what I mean? Where, yeah, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, how do you piece it together? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and it's very context related too. So for instance, the whole let them play talk. Yeah. Here yeah. in the States. Yep. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example and it's not a hard line example, but just to get the point across, if you have a coach, if there is a coach, let's say that is not, let's say amazing, right? They're just, maybe they're just getting started. Maybe they're young. Maybe, uh, they haven't put in a whole bunch of time and have experience in collective team training with tactics and how to, you know, instruct the, you, you get what I'm saying. They're, so, yep. they're, they're not that maybe that the best thing that coach can do is kind of how set up a pickup sort of environment during their training sessions and maybe inculcate that I- into their players versus trying to do that. The Pep Guardiola team training stuff. Cause you suck at it. You feel me? You feel me? Like if they try to do the Pep Guardiola, all the, all the chess pieces and all this stuff yeah, and crazy. they suck at yeah. it, they can do, they'll do less of a benefit to those players than if they just chilled and let them play. So in yeah. that context, I get it. It's fine. Okay. Um, or maybe if you have players who are not very good, they're just getting started. Uh, they aren't the elite youth player at 10, 11, 12, 13, or nine or seven, uh, and they're average or below average players. Maybe what they need is more of that free play, let them play sort of stuff. And not so much of the structure also. Does that make sense? But, 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 and, and I'll stop with this next point. If you are working with above average players, good players, maybe even great players who already have so much of the raw skill and those sorts of things. Now you as a coach in the team environment, Hey, teach them the fucking team game. Don't, don't, don't give them more of what they already have. They already have the Colombian flavor and the skill set yeah, and yeah, all that sort of stuff. Like, exactly. no, now teach that, teach them the game, right? The team. Cause it, cause if you're not teaching them the team game, then you are doing them a disservice yeah. um, because they're, because they're ready for it. Exactly. And I'm hundred percent with you. I think it's even going back to that point. I think it's the culture you deal with. Right. So I think I've, I, when I first got to Holland and, and got the club in Holland um, in Amsterdam, I had to coach, I mean, we came in and it was like the club was in shambles, but, I had to coach a group of Moroccan and Suriname boys. My Dutch, same situation. I, I guess I was already getting prepared for this thing is that 
but Dutch at that time was definitely not very proficient. So it was like, hey, we're trying to figure out things. But within, you know, and they're, they're U12 at this point, right? So we're still playing AV8 over here. By the time I had them for about five weeks, other Dutch coaches and people say, hey, you're doing something over there, right? Because these kids are wild. You know, we have one kid that was really special, uh, very technical, everything, and teaching them the game. But I was able to structure them, but they also had a soccer culture too. You get what I mean? So, because I couldn't say too much because I couldn't, I couldn't express myself in the language too much. So I had to quickly, okay, I can't put all the spices in, but I got to put the meat, the main meal, the main part has got to be there. So they, they see the, the, the main picture and then I got to go and make sure it looks close to what I would like to see from what Joga represents. And that's one of the things I think that's helped me is that I've been in situations where I'm like, I'm uncomfortable as a coach because I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to say? Am I talking too much? Am I doing this? How is he going to understand this? What am I supposed to do with this? You know, oh, keep it simple. Or at the same time, I'm in a culture that watches football, that plays football. So then I'm not teaching every, oh, please put your left foot here because you got, so that comes into it as well. So it's like, there's so many things that I think when we, like you said, people can't take this talk and they say, oh, this, this just, let's just, bl- just put this in America. Yeah. Because it's not the same. No, the, the, the culture is a, a good context or a good, the cultural point that you brought up is very good as well. Because if you have a team, again, I'm going back to the team environment here, you have a group of players and you have the same culture that they do. Let's say, you know, I'm a big advocate of the Mexican-American and Latino community here in yep, the States because yep, they've been yep. getting, they've been yep. getting taken out to the shed for forever. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. If you as a coach have that culture and your players are from that culture, there is a special connection that exists there mm. and you know how to talk to them in order to maximize, as they say here, their potential. You know what buttons to push, you know what buttons not to push, you know all of those sorts of things. And same thing with the families who have a huge influence over youth players. If there is a cultural disconnect between the coach and the players, then that's an issue. It's an issue. I'm being frank here, okay? If, If a whole bunch of your players are Latinos and they come from Latino families, and they grew up watching Liga MX, and they're from the Mexican national team or, or South America, and they want to express themselves on the field a certain way, and they're getting certain feedback from their parents in a certain way. And here you come as a, uh, as a coach, and you're, I don't know, you're a student of stoicism, you know, and yeah, yeah, you come yeah. in here like a robot or whatever, yeah. and you want to do all your little metrics or whatever, yeah. and how many touches do you get on the ball or whatever. And bro, there's an issue. Okay. They going it's going to be a problem. <laughs> I'm with you. It, it it's so funny that you say that cuz let look at not to change subjects but look at at the top level. Ancelotti gets so much out of people cuz he understands people, man. Mm-hmm. Like the picture mm-hmm. that he had with the the three black players at Alaba, Vinicius, yes. and he has where he's a dancing. Yeah, where he's dancing or the the mm-hmm. one with the cigar where he's acting like I'm the Don. Yeah, yeah. The black people, <laughs> we were like, "Yo, you one of us." Yes, yes. You, you, he's Italian, <laughs> has nothing to do with them dudes. He's also from a totally different generation. But could you see, I don't know, I don't want to name anybody, but could you, could you see other coaches 
doing that type of it ain't feature. happening and I, it ain't happen. happening and you and you don't have to mention names i got yes. all kinds of names in my head that you trans <laughs> you telepathically gave me the names Kefra. yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. it ain't happening dude and mm -hmm. the, the same thing in my opinion with like a Mourinho. Mourinho, yeah. I, I think Mourinho speaks like seven languages he's yeah. he's, he's been all over the world super cultured in a yeah. variety of environments so yep. he knows how to connect with his players there's that famous scene where the season is his season is over at Inter. He's leaving Inter and mm -hmm. it's nighttime and the team's getting on the bus and he's crying, you know, and he goes yeah. hug and hugs a player. I forgot who it was that he was hugging. Yeah. If it was, um, I don't even know. Mm -hmm. um, there's a special connection there, man. And you as a coach have to be a leader and the players have to see you as a leader and have to respect you as a leader. Yep. Otherwise it, it ain't working again. Um, can you mind if I pick up on one of these other notes? By the way, yeah. I just I messaged my class that we're gonna start thirty minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm messing you up. All right, football, fair enough. Football yeah. first. Football first. Yeah. Um, let's linger on the culture thing a, a bit longer because I think that's where you're coming from. Yep. A lot of it. Yep. Mostly. Yep. I don't understand, or maybe I do, and I don't want to say it. I'm scared. I don't understand why so many here in the States want to pretend there's like no such thing maybe as cultural differences. You see, like, like they want to pretend like everybody's the same mm -hmm. and every, and so, and I start coming up with, first off, I know that to not be true on its face. Okay. Yep. So it's self-evident. Um, but I want to come up with analogies or examples to, that illustrate cultural differences impacting how good somebody can be at a particular craft. So, and forgive me, but yeah, no worries. I think, I, th I think of, I think of Russians. Why are Russians so goddamn good at chess? Mm. You know, over the over the history of chess, amazing, incredible, yeah. always top of the heap. What is it about that? You know, yeah. I mean, Everybody has to follow the same rules. There's no, what is it, it? There's a chessboard. There's only certain moves. There's, you can't color outside the lines or whatever. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, what makes them different? That, so that's one thing. And just food for thought, right? Yep. And we won't linger yep. into the, the reasons or, or whatever. Yep. Um, in video games, I growing up, not growing up, but it was like my college days. Starcraft was a big, big game. Yeah. And the Koreans just dominated the shit out of yeah. that game. Yeah. And and the and the Koreans in general dominate so much of the video game mm -hmm. sector, it, particularly those types of games. Why is that? Because it's not a mere numbers game. There's tons of numbers here in the United States of players playing video games for countless hours. Yep. Uh the same amount of hours. And yet, and yet they still get dominated on and, and we can go down the list of uh, human activities and there seems to be like certain cultures are better at one thing than other cultures are at that one thing. Yeah. Um, there's something to it. And so reconnecting it with how you open everything up with Colombia and the South Americans in general, and they play different. Yes. yes. And, and that is who the big clubs are going after and paying tens of millions of dollars. And before anybody goes crazy, oh, but we have some Americans getting tens of millions, tens of millions of dollars. Stop. 
just mm. stop on the sheer numbers of it and the sh- stop don't bring that to me and no. there's other elements because soccer is, is still a a business here so no. topic for another day but the american player the european clubs there's a lot of gambling going on because they want an american Huge player gamble. to hit they want Huge an american gamble. player to hit for their club okay yep. so that they can have the attention of the United States marketplace, which is enormous and has a lot of dollars behind it. Okay. And, so and the stop. owners and the owners are now yeah. Americans who own and these the owners American are players. Americans. <laughs> so you're getting some cultural bias in there. Yeah, of course. So yeah, man, yeah. that that's my cultural rant. There's we can go no. off forever on this. No, man, you know what? I, I'm with you. I think there's certain ways. Like if I think about it, if I wanted my son, if I was my son did wrestling, I'd take him to Iowa. I was like, we got to move to Iowa. You got to be with the dogs Mm, because mm. there's a certain cultural understanding where, and this is the interesting thing about these, these things. When you hear this, they become special at it, but anybody else who's outside of that culture will consider it too much or slightly mental abuse. But everybody within that culture says, if you don't do this fucking shit, you don't have a chance. Yes. Right. So the Eastern European coach who looks at you fall off the balance beam at your eight-year-old girl fall off the balance beam and says, get the hell up and go do it again. They create the champions. Mm. Mm. Cause I've seen some of the gymnastics. I've seen, I, I had some mm. of the, uh, some of my players who had sisters who were in gymnastics and they like, yo, we train four hours a day. And it, why are they always Eastern European coaches? Mm. Is it a certain special thing? No, it's a certain demeanor. It's a certain way they talk. The certain way that they come with certain things. Those are the people who are going to train you to make it at the highest level in this sport. They have mm. they got the, there's something special quality along with the knowledge that boom, voila, you're going to get it. And I think people should, and it's not saying, oh, well, well, we all should have, I think there's a certain thing that people should learn to appreciate everyone's special, unique ability. I go to Scandinavia, Scandinavia, when I go to clubs and, and talk to clubs, they are organized out the asshole. Mm-hmm. Bro, it's like they, they've evaluated everything. You know what <laughs> I mean? And I think that's great. But then I'll ask this guy, I'll say, what you looking for? Well, are they fast? Are they strong? Right. Do they have something right. different that we don't have? Even with all their analysis and all that stuff, they're now looking for something. What's, what's different here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that African guy, that, that this guy, this guy. Okay, we need this player for this or whatever reason. And it's like, People, I think people start to learn to appreciate different cultures and what they provide. And I think that hopefully the world is moving more towards that. I think in the States, there's a mindset that if I look at, well, even go back to Europe, if I looked at Shakhtar Donetsk, Shakhtar said, structure, defense, Ukrainian. Attack, Brazilian. Mm, <laughs> he's he's totally. like, we're going we're gonna to stop them from scoring. Y'all go do your thing. Like they had a structure, is it? It's not just let them play, but it was pretty much. Look, you guys are in the attack. You you know how to create goals. You got the creativity. Douglas Costa, Tyson, uh, uh, who else was there? Um, David Nettis just got transferred. Uh, yeah, Nettis, yeah, right from from, yeah. from from Ajax to Shakhtar, and obviously everything happened in Ukraine. And now you saw you just signed up Benfica. Yeah, I saw that. Saw that. They're gonna be interesting this year. But it's that kind of thing where you're like, okay, so what? So what's really going on? So. The thing, I, I guess what I'm wrestling with now is that because I'm in Europe, and like I said, my son's team plays, and, and we're actually going to have a meeting tomorrow. And we're like, okay, which direction should we go? And I'm just like, 
I'm telling them, I'm like, for me, when it comes to the structure piece, especially being in Holland, I don't really care about it until 12 because I'm in Holland. I'm going to, I'm going to say that to everyone here because I'm in Holland (laughs) where you will watch football every night. There's guys who are talking about football only. They're giving full analysis of the game. It's on, if I have the TV on, it's on all day. You're learning. You're learning. Outside the, outside the team. You are learning. Mm-hmm. Unconsciously. Yes. Yes. You're like, my son is hearing things and knowing things and doing all that. And, and I'm like, so by the time you hit 12 or 13 here, they know how to, they have their philosophy. They see it, but they, they see it. it. The players see football. They see football. And I'm sorry to our yep. audience here. Yep. I can't quantify that for you. Because the, their natural instinct is like, what do you mean, Gary? You see it, you know? Well, yeah. I, how, how can I explain that? I can't explain that to you. Just like a chess world master. And I'm not a chess world master. I just hear and read from that domain where it's like, where it's, where it's like, where it's like, where it's like they've played and watched and analyzed so much that when they play a game, they're going off of feeling. They can't even tell you why they did what they did. They just see some patterns and structure that is not communicable in words or in math. They see it. And that is what I mean. Is that kids there in Holland, just by osmosis, they eventually just see football. Exactly. And it, and you, and the games, everything. And and this is what I was thinking as well. A lot of the, the people who are saying, Hey, just playing all this stuff. I'm like, or let them play. Have you played? Hmm. I think a lot of the problem with the parents is, have you played enough? Do you play enough? And I'm not just talking about your co-ed league that you show mm-hmm. up to, to play your little practice and maybe again. I'm, I'm talking about, do you play? Yeah. Yeah. That's a big difference. Like when you play with your kid, you know, family plays, that just, it just creates something. So then it's easier for you to know also if someone, if a coach is pretty decent or not. Is my kid getting better or not? If you haven't done it, I can't imagine. Like, I couldn't imagine going to somebody and, like, you know, talking some baseball if I ain't trying to hit some baseballs. <laughs> I'll be like, bro, you're on the bench because you're on the bench. He obviously, he knows more than me. You ain't good. You know what I mean? So I'm like, there has to be some kind of, in everything in life, we have to kind of, especially beginning, like, you kind of figure it out. You analyze, you figure it out. My kid, my yeah. daughter, my, my youngest daughter, is ahead of all my other kids, but because she's following everything that they do. No one's explaining it to her. Like, you, oh, she's on a table, jumping off the table. And we we're like, freaking hell, like, stop. Well, I just saw the four-year-old do it. I didn't have mm. a class on it. There's no coach on it. I saw the four-year-old do it. I've watched her do it so many times. I processed it. All right, my turn. Let's go. And a lot, and that is one of the biggest things that I think that is missing from the the cultural side. So even if you can't get it in your neighborhood, it should be, you. if, if you're an American parent, you're like, hey, I want to, let's say you don't have a soccer culture or anything. Listen, start it in your cul-de-sac where your kids play. Listen, you're not going to get the, the street games of London and Paris. You're not going to get that. You're just not going to get that, right? Unless, and even if you're in the States, maybe you got to drive miles and miles. You know, maybe you catch it a little bit in LA. Maybe you catch it a little bit in Miami, but you're going to hear words and you're going to be around people that maybe you ain't going to rock with. Are you ready for that? Because if you can't go into that cult, you know, are you willing to drop your kid off and say, hey, hey, I'll see you at eight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You might have a couple scraps. Somebody's going to say some words that you're like, man, why is this kid talking this way? You know, 
all that kind of stuff. Are you open to that? Or are you like, ah, yeah, you know? So it's, it's like, like I said, it's all, all of it is, is, is ingredients making the player, Yeah, you know? And so it's, I, it, I'm, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I'm trying, no, no, no. I'm, I'm trying to solve the, the parent education puzzle. I think you're aware that I've been working on this thing for quite a while now. We call it the 343 class, right? Yeah. It's, it's literally parent education in all of this stuff. So, mm -hmm. so what you and I are talking about right now, and more importantly, how we're talking about it, mm -hmm. like you don't hear this conversation that you and I are having by the, through the traditional media channel, soccer media channels in the United States. You don't hear this talk. No, no, but, but my point, listen to my point. Yeah. Parents listening to us speak this way is infusing into them a difference in culture already. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so the project that I've been working on for so long is basically a whole bunch of this and other things. I'm basically trying to bring them into our culture. Kefren, so that yep. they can start seeing football, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, kind of break them out of American soccer jail, so to speak, that they don't even know that they're in, but yep. they don't even know that they're in it because yep. they've been assimilated into that robotic, stoic, flavorless culture, monoculture, yep. and they don't even recognize it. Yep. Okay. So that is what we're trying to to help because if the parents yeah. get some of this infused into them, guess yeah. what? Next thing you know, they naturally will start infusing it into their kids and yep. it will transmit. Exactly. Does, does that make sense? A hundred percent. And I, I just think, I think a lot of people, Gary, like you said, you, you came from Argentina, had to live in the States. So you, you already had to adapt, right? So without even knowing, without even knowing your, your life story growing up with you, I know you had to adapt. You had to adjust to your, your Argentine culture and the U.S. culture. You're more likely to adapt and meet other people and to try to understand different cultures and, and operate that way, right? Where, like you said, in the suburban soccer culture, if you don't all join this culture and have this same mindset and everybody has to be the same and, you know, all oh, this guy's dirty for whatever reason and all these people say this, then all of a sudden, it's a, it's, a, it's a big issue. I dealt with it with coaching. I mean, I had people threaten to quit teams because I had this certain player. I was like, then go. I don't care. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> like, you know, people were like, man, you, you're acting real crazy. I, I remember I had a parent, a parent told me, he's like, yo, we were kind of scared of you. I was like, me? I'm like the nicest. I was like, no, nah, no, nah. the way you used to talk and the way you were like aggressive. I'm like, that's not aggressive. You know, that's not even aggressive. I'm like, that comes from black culture or black mm -hmm. African-American culture, maybe even black African culture. We're normally very animated, loud voices. I'm being broad here. I know there's, there's quiet mm -hmm. ones of us, so please, everyone, don't take it like this. Mm -hmm. But that comes from, it's, it's normally very authoritative. You can be different, but I've, I've had coaches where they yell my name the whole time. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it didn't affect me. You were just used to this yeah. guy yelling. And I, and I actually posed this question on Twitter. I was, I was asking, I was like, because I see a lot of the writings coming up about how you coach kids and how you should act and everything. I started thinking, are you guys writing this from like urban kids, inner city kids, environments, immigrant kids? Are you writing, are you only writing from suburban kids, environments, right? Because I don't think you can, you can really grasp who these, the kids you're going to deal with are. 
right? Listen, my wife is white. She's Dutch. I'm black African-American. Sometimes with the kids, she'd be like, man, like, our kids are so, I'm like, your kids, your kids, they black. <laughs> you know, your kids are black. Mm-hmm. I was like, there's going to be a totally different flavor. Our kids are on the street, loud, coming up to everybody. I was like, now Dutch kids are open, but I'm like, there's a different flavor. I was like, yes, there's a different flavor. My wife, I was like, you get, there's a different flavor that you're going to have to approach them with. Mm-hmm. That is not going to be how you, the traditional maybe Dutch kid, and, and listen, even, even me as a parent, my son will do something. I'm like, bro, like, nah. But that's from the Dutch suburban culture, and it's totally mm-hmm. different than mine. So I'm, we're both adapting to each other, right? And like you said, there's so many of these things that people have to learn to adapt to. So, like, I'll see messages from, I got a message from a parent once who says, it was about a black coach, right? Oh, he's saying this to my son. He's making him feel bad. He's doing this. He's doing this. And in my head, when I read the message, I was like, oh, all he's doing is just challenging your son. He wants them to get better. That's it. Mm-hmm. There's no malice. Yep. But yep. I know in black culture, you show up somewhere, people are joking on you, people are making fun of you. Like, that's the way they show you love you. <laughs> Is that they don't they don't give you oh, we're being very positive. We want to make you feel so good about yourself. No. Look at your hair. Look at you don't have any lotion on your skin. Look at that touch. You can't control the ball. You can't do it. Everything is like you would you would just be like, yo, how is everyone not depressed and, and trying to shoot themselves when you go to a black that I'm just speaking from my own perspective. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I was in that type of upbringing. Latinos are the same. Say again. Latinos are the same. We clown on each other. Like, oh, you suck. So some tronco, disaster. Like, go, go play with those Those fools over there. You don't belong here. Like, but every just like everybody gets it. No, well, we're we're right here. They would say, oh, that kid's being bullied. There's no bullying going on here. This is this like an exchange of love, camaraderie, uh, bonding. And, and, and what I yep. but all of these positive sort of things, right. Yep. And, and it's just a different culture, Kevin. They don't, they don't see it that way. They don't, they don't get it. Um, but I don't think you can quantify that in a book though. That, that's the thing I was saying, like when it comes to the coaching stuff that I read and I, you know, I read some stuff, there's a lot of people in Sweden, Scandinavia again, writing a lot of interesting mm-hmm. things. Right. But I don't think they're even analyzing, yo, Sultan is the best player from Scandinavia of all time. He's yep. from the culture we're talking about. Yeah, hundred percent. You could not come up to this guy saying, Satan, we need to be positive with everyone and say the nicest things in the world. At eight, nine, 10, 11, he's cursing everyone if he didn't get the ball. Yeah, yeah. He has the quote unquote attitude that you can't understand. Yeah. Oh, we don't like this guy because he's this way. And I'm like, guys, stop looking for perfect humans, first of all, right? Yes, we want to make better people. We want, you know, we want people with morals. But we have to understand that everyone's fuse or what lights them or what their, their passion or something is packaged. Many times it's packaged differently and they express it differently. And as long as you can get to the core of a human being, like, you know, this guy's not truly evil. You get what I mean? There's truly evil. And I think most of us can tell what truly evil is. Most people are just wired and packaged in a certain way. But if they can provide a certain quality for you, man, I'll put up with a lot of shit. I'll give them a lot of shit back. But I'm going to put yeah. up with a lot of shit because you got something and I'm going to deal with that. And, and, every, and all my teams, I've always had kind of people like that. And I, I've kind of been blessed because I think I've had every culture always in my team. And I make everybody gravitate to my culture, right? Which is, yeah. 
I grew up in, I, I was in an all white suburban school. I was in an all black school. I was with uh, Latinos. I was with Brazilians. So I'm pretty much a mixture of all that into one person. And I think it's like the residency program I just had, man, it was great. The Colombians come in. That's different. The boys, every practice, the Americans are like, man, they try, he's kicking me, coach, he's doing this. And I'm like, bruh, I'll tell you right now, if he wanted to get you, he would get you. And I'm mm. saying, you're not even playing. <laughs> like, your leg's broken. So he's not getting you. He's just playing out there playing in Colombia. And y'all are taking it too emotional. I had to explain that to them. Because they got, oh, yeah. the player, some of the players get so emotional. I'm like, bro, if he wants to crack you, you're not, we know what time it is. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I was like, they're not trying to do that. And we would have, you know, we had like little fights and stuff in practice. Nothing too crazy. But, you know, it's like, look, you're getting after it. If you're over here, you're getting after it. So anybody listening to this and you ever want to come out here, hey, we're about it. It's going to be, you're going to compete, but you're going to learn about culture. You're going to learn about people. And you're going to learn to accept people and also stand up for all these things. You know what I mean? So I'm with you. Sorry to go on a little rant, but, you know, I'm with you, Gary. It's like, it's like appreciate what people bring. That's the first step. Have meals with people. Go be uncomfortable. If you're in a suburban culture, to me, go be uncomfortable. Go be the only one. Because guess what? As a, as a black dude, I've been in all-white clubs and all-white bars many times in college, sitting there like, what the hell am I doing? Listen to Sweet Caroline again. Like, what am I doing? Like, there's not an alcohol in the world that can stop me from this. But I'm going to go be uncomfortable because, you know, I'm cool with you. You guys are my friends. Yeah, yeah. Are you able to go do it on the other side? And go yeah. be uncomfortable and stretch yourself and, and, and figure out. So I, I just think some of these things, and I'm speaking about other stuff, but I think a lot of these things are linked to why people, I think the Latino player, I think a lot of players, and I'm speaking specifically from there, they can't even express themselves to a certain level because they're in a box. Yeah. They'll kick you, they'll kick you out, Catherine. Yeah. You have to conform to the box that is constructed by their culture. You have to, for the most part, become one of them. Talk like them, walk like them, act like them. Um, because if you don't, you're on the outs. And, yeah. and in a big way, in a significant way, that is also why you don't see many Latinos uh, at the top level uh, of the U.S. men's national team, um, mm -hmm. when when the rubber meets the road. Now, what's interesting to me is that you do see uh, a good number of African Americans. Yep. Um, no, you know, I'll, I'll say this. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'll say this. I think I think most are from suburban background, but you know, there's there's all. I, and this this could be a longer question about black culture. Mm. So many things go in different ways, right? I get you. I think, I think there's an element of it's not totally ours, so we're, we're going to act a certain way. I see. Actually, the, the thing you're saying, I actually see it more in England than I see it in us. In England, mm. you have boys from South London, right? And so James, mm. my colleague, he's from Croydon. I was down there. I was like, bro, this is, this is pretty hood. This is pretty different, you know? Everything, you know, it's, it's, it's a different, totally different flavor made up of Africans, Jamaicans, uh, you know, that whole culture they have down there. And you see Calum Hudson-Odoi, or you see Jaden Sancho. Jaden was the first one who started to kind of say, hey, I'm from South London. But you see the EPL doesn't even do that, right? 
Mm. I'll say this when it comes to black culture in general of all sports, and this is just an opinion. You can disagree with it. They figured out we're a lot of money. So Mike Tyson, a lot of money. Michael Jordan, a lot of money. NFL, with the dancing, they were stopping it because it's not their culture. Like, what are you doing? Like, you got to showboat and everything. Now on the sidelines at a college game, they're showing chains, gold teeth. Everybody's happy. Why? Because they figured out, hmm, we can make the money. Mm. Right? I think with the Latino culture, there is a couple of things that, that kind of block it. Just my opinion. Yep. I think, yeah, it's different culture. I think the language is a big part mm. because already that creates, hey, I, I'm something totally different, right? I think a black culture, we, we didn't, you know, we came over here. We have to conform to what they, we, we're going to conform to even have a chance over in America. We got to. Where Latinos come over and actually create their own communities, business, economic. You can kind of separate a little bit more. Well, we have to conform more. So you, and I, this is bigger, way bigger than maybe we wanted yeah, to Yeah, yeah, to totally. But I think it, it, some elements bleed into just the natural society of how sports work. You know what I mean? That's, that's just my opinion. I could be totally wrong. People have opinions on it. Totally great. I just think that's what I kind of see. So I, I think the language factor, okay, we're coming from a different country. Wait, they're coming in and they say, well, we don't even need you. We'll, we'll separate out. You know I mean? We'll make our own league. We'll make our own Latino leagues playing on the weekend. Okay, you don't want us. We'll, we'll just, we'll go do everything solo though. So then when you're trying to come into it, now there's like a, a, a big, you know, the big problem. Because listen, I just think about, when I think about power, people, so, someone's going to be in control. Doesn't matter. Someone's going to be in control. And then one culture is going to control the other. That's just really how you get down to it. When everyone's going all this diversity stuff and all this stuff, that's why we've always said, why do we go for pro rel? Pro rel just means, yo, I'm going to control my shit. Mm -hmm. That's all it means. And you ain't yeah. going to tell me how to control my shit. But yeah, what's correct. happening is, no, we're going to control all the shit and you'll never control your shit. And so when you're there, you're like, damn. You have to conform. Yeah, yeah. No, you, I so, think you know. I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it with the language. That's that's yep. the. I think that's the big differentiator. The the Latinos here, the Mexican Americans, they all speak Spanish, right? And you know when they're in in a team, um, and they get together, many of them will speak Spanish to each other, and you know joke around in that language it, yep. with those sorts of inflections and et cetera, et cetera. And it already sets up a natural sort of disconnect yep. uh, with the others. Um, <laughs> and, G Gary, and we don't like, and we don't like that here. Take yeah. that, take that Spanish speaking culture shit to your own yep. country or somewhere else. Like we ain't, we dealing with this here. Exactly. But same thing in France, you see in France, the black players are picked, which, you know, I think they're, so, they're obviously some of the best players in the world. North Africans hardly can see them. Same thing in Holland. I was talking to someone, I was talking to a Moroccan coach yesterday. And he's like, yeah, we're, he's like, at futsal, they let us do futsal. He's like, but on an actual team, you don't see this. Mm -hmm. Which Moroccans are, I guess, similar, probably, probably similar skill set, similar body type uh, to, to, to uh, Latino players, dribblers, creators, all that kind of stuff. So it's, a, it's, and these are, like I said, what we're pointing out is that maybe people don't see it on the surface, right? right. Because, and it's not to say, oh, the, these people are wrong or these people are wrong. I just think it's more when, when you haven't had experiences or had to adapt and, and be uncomfortable yourself, it's easy 
to say, well, I haven't had to adapt at all. When you come over, you better just adapt to me. You know what I mean? And I think all of us, a lot of the soccer players and people who've been traveling and all this stuff, you, you've had to adapt, you know? I go to Colombia, I'm going to try to use as much Spanish as possible because I'm in Colombia. I'm in Holland, I try to use my Dutch, even though people say, oh, I'll just speak English. I still try to use my Dutch because I'm trying to show a certain respect for where I'm at, you know what I mean? And I think there's so many cultural things. I, I think the conversation we have right now, this should be a huge conversation in U.S. soccer. It should be like on the table, big personalities talking about it, your favorite Alexi Lawless on there. <laughs> you know, no, but I'm just saying like, you know, her, it, it should be big personalities, big people speaking on it and being very clear on it. Parents hearing it, uh, players hearing it, people sharing opinions, people showing, sharing how they feel. Not because they're trying, it's not to, to demonize anybody, say, oh, you're wrong or they're wrong for this. It's just to come to step-by-step, step, come to better understandings. Yeah, but 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 that but the problem is we have to have a real conversation, a real one, not a superficial, symbolic. Oh, we're forming a diversity uh, yeah. <laughs> group within U.S. soccer. You yep. know who's going to go out there and be our communication officer to better connect with the Latino communities or whatever. Like that's a bunch of bullshit. Or yeah. or look, Gary, look, we have like two. Uh, Spanish-speaking Latinos on the senior men's national team. They went to the World Cup and everything. Yeah, that, that doesn't fix the problem. That ain't solving anything, okay? Just yeah. because you have two token guys on the team or three token guys or five token guys or whatever, guess what? Chances are those token guys had to 100% abandon what's in their heart, their heart of hearts, their culture, and be put in a box and agree to be put in a box, which is your little cultural box and behave and walk and talk and act just like how you want them to do and yep. express themselves a certain way on the field also. And yep. that particular player probably plays not like a Latino either. Yep. You know, yep. it's like there is such a thing as playing like a Brazilian or yep. playing like an Argentinian or yep. playing like a Colombian or playing like a Mexican or playing like an American or playing like a, uh, a British guy. There is such a thing as a playing like a X. It, is that, that's what the scouts say. The scouts always mm -hmm. say American, we're going to get hard worker professionalism. They expect that. They expect mm -hmm. that from an American. Like if you don't bring that as American, they're like, uh, we're not we... all equal. Kefern. We're not yep. all equal. We're, we're, we're diverse creatures here okay and yep. when you put certain creatures in a very specific uh geography and they develop their own sorts of mannerisms and sets of values and that's what culture is and they express themselves according to that core set of values yep you feel yep. me it's yep. and that then translates in how they play and how they yep. behave so it, exactly. there is such a thing as that type of country's player, a Croatian versus an, an Australian. They're completely two different styles of play and yeah. in their, in their biomechanics, even their, and their, the way they move and the way yeah, they receive like a ball and deliver a ball and yeah. like ever how they talk to the referee, everything is different, man. Yep. Yep. And, and it, and it's crazy when you watch, you know, when you watch the English broadcast, you know, we always talk about the English. They try to paint as everybody, everybody into one box. Why would he do that? So it's like demonizing. And it's like, there's never, you know, 
there's a lack of, they've now started to become a little bit, I guess, diverse. They got Michael Richards and they have uh, Rio kind of on and others. Mm-hmm. They're, they're kind of speaking. But it's like, it's not, people aren't understanding where people come from. Like, I remember I got in a big argument about Suarez in the two, 2014 World Cup, the biting ear thing with Chelaney, right? Yep. I, got a, I got an argument with parents that were on my team because I knew they were after one of the players. They wanted them off the team. So I remember getting an argument with them. Because uh, I know this player would have done something like that, right? But uh, I said, they said, oh, Suarez, he's a beast. Why would you buy and do this? I was like, man, this is a, they grew up he grew up in the streets, man. What do you think's happening? I was like, this is common. I think he just nibbled on him. It's like, that's a natural reaction from me when he was a kid, bro. Like, you understand, it's probably some deep, maybe demons or whatever you want to call it, deep in there of him being elbowed, beating the crap out of when he was a little kid, having to fight just to try to score. People saying you can't play on the team, all this stuff. All that stuff kind of bubbles up. And then at the height, you know, the biggest moment in your life, you're playing in the World Cup, tensions, everything, emotions, he does it. And people try to demonize and go crazy. And I'm like, damn, have you not seen your kids do some things crazy before? My kids will pick up a pan and try to smack the other one in the head before I stop them. You know what oh, I mean? But Ke- oh, but Kefford, he's an adult. He should know better. <laughs> he's not a kid. La, 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 la. Yeah, it, 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 <laughs> and it doesn't mean that he shouldn't be disciplined. That's the thing mm-hmm. that they miss. Sure, the part sure, is, sure. is when they exactly when they go to the judgment piece and they yeah. go, let's stick the knife in now. Let's take them yeah. out. Yeah. And that's yeah. the problem. Or we can't have any of those in here. Like, you know, I used to defend Balotelli like crazy. I'm like, bro, I like, I don't think you guys really understand this. You don't understand this. A Ghanaian African immigrant moves to Italy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His parents has to be separated from his parents. Moves with another family who takes him in. Great, the Balotelli's. He's called nigger monkey every day of his life when he goes to score, every day. Although you guys are, and listen, in the suburbs, I hear all this stuff about mental health. What do you think mental health was going on there? He was isolated, alone with him and his brother. So are you surprised he acts the way that he acts? Hell no, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Guess what? If he was in Ghana, around family and everything, he'd be a totally different person. You know why? They would have whooped the hell out of him because you have the culture. <laughs> Everybody would be like, hey, 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 we got you. Cut it out. Mm. But now he's in this box. Balotelli, too strong for the others. Balotelli, we're fearful of you. Balotelli, yes. And always the spotlight. You don't know what that does to you from a mental perspective. So I guess even going back to coaching parents and all this stuff, I had a player who, like, I had, I protected him for years. He was a refugee kid. I protected him for years. Parents tried to give me a kick my team. I said, you can, if he leaves, I leave. And they're like, well, I was like, if he leaves, I leave. I don't care. Oh, he's so scared. He's so strong. You know, the, the African genetics, he's freaking, he was already man body at like nine. You know what I mean? Strong. Could get to, I remember I'm, I was protecting him. And it wasn't just to protect him. It was like, these people aren't really seeing, they're not seeing people anymore. And I think this is the biggest thing. You're not seeing people anymore. You're seeing, um, you're too much in the media, all this hype. You're not seeing, you're not, you know, you don't have this like a, a certain mercy grace that kind of goes with certain things that you need to have, in my opinion. You need to have that so you understand who, who, who people are. You need to be in uncomfortable situations where you're the only one being focused on. Everyone's looking at you, right? If you're, you know, everyone's looking at you and you're like, damn, I'm the only one in here who looks like me. <laughs> you 
<laughs> you know what I mean? I think you need to have those moments because I think it helps. I think it makes you like, okay, I got to adjust to life. And, and I get, that's what I'm saying. I guess speaking about the, the, the difference between Latinos and the, the African-Americans in there is that I, the African-American players, I think they're a little bit in the box, but they'll be selected mostly. I, there's still issues, but it, it'll never be perfect. And I respect it too. I think the Latinos, like I said, with the language and the big factor and that you cannot con- and that they feel that they cannot connect with them. How many times have we heard stuff over calls? Well, I said I was coming and I didn't come. Like, it's almost like, it's, have you ever heard a national team, any professional organization talking about phone calls and meetings at houses as like the reason the player wasn't selected or picked? Right. Like, it's almost like, what was this, preschool? Like, what are we talking about some calls for? You know what yeah. I mean? Get your yeah. ass over to his house, have a meal, have, a, have, have whatever his mama's cooking. And get down over there and spend time yeah. with them at the court. That's what you do. That's it's very you relate yeah, to yeah, them. Yeah. Sorry. No, bro. We don't know, man. We don't get it here. And I have to cringe every time I see stuff on Twitter or written in articles by my good friends in the media, you know, saying, Oh, US soccer, everybody's doing a great job now connecting with and keeping tabs on everybody and sending texts. They're doing great scouting and recruiting, whatever. I'm like, guys. <laughs> Yeah. What are we even talking about? Like, no, like sending a text here, or there, every, oh, hey, how are you doing, Kef? Everything good? Yeah, everything's good, coach. Okay, cool. Keep at it. You know, we're, we're monitoring you. Yeah. That ain't fucking recruiting job. What, what are you what are even talking about here? That's not showing any sort of love. You think the player or the family is going to be like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Like, I, yeah. I'm feeling warm and bubbly inside. Come on, man. Like, and, again, it's a cultural disconnect. hundred percent. And I'll say this last thing, cause I know you probably got a rule. Yeah. When I went to Columbia the first time we went, we went down there with our investor, right? We were trying to get this club, uh, the, the club down there, Santa Rosa, the partner with the club there. And some other people had come and tried to invest. There were some Italian guys that came down, right? And, you know, they tried to buy into them and they said, no. So we came down there with our investor. We're down there, and uh, I was going to do a session on one of those fields. The field's not manicured, like rocks, everything. It starts pouring down, the most rain I've ever seen in my life. And we're like in the barrios, right? So they got a little tent for us. They had already they had set up some African dancers for us, African, Afro-Latino, like just totally opening the door for us, just being nice, you know. And I'm talking about the, the place that they live. You, you're talking about these are hut they're using. Uh, use cars and stuff to like, you know, it's, you're at the low, at a very, very low end uh, economic disadvantage, right? It starts pouring down. I see the kids, they don't go home. They start coming mm. to the field. Kids just start piling out there. So I'm like, all right, word, we ain't training, but let me get my shoes off and socks off and let me go play with them. I'm busting my ass on the ground and I'm playing in the rocks and I'm sliding. And then all of them, that's what won them over. It was not yeah. even talking no business. Yep. It was like, you're not, you're Colombiano. By the end, they said, you're Colombiano. You're from, you're us. We feel it. They felt the spirit, right? And that really, that really, they said, look, the Italians that we brought, they would have never done that. They had their, their shoes and how they are. They would have never done that. They would have been like, okay, we got to go. We don't want to be all dirty. And then you're out here just like getting into the mud with us. You know what I mean? I had a blast, man. And it's like, and I looked at him like, damn, for me, I was just being myself. But it was just that connection and, and, and my investor even told me, he's like, man, this is like Africa. I feel like this is just Africa. Colombia is Africa. Totally. 
the feeling of it. And I was like, yeah, it's like, it's connecting with people. And I think in the suburbs, maybe the way you, especially live in the States, even more so, there's such a lack of connection, bro. Like I, people ask me, could you go back there and live? I said, hell no, you don't connect. Yeah. Everybody's a robot, man. Everybody's, uh, it, it's all about rules. Do you follow the rules or do you not follow the rules? So right there, if it's pouring rain here, whatever, we got we to gotta shut the fields down, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, kids might get a cold, you know, playing out here in the rain or whatever. But that that is what we have here, Kevin. Yeah. It's that one culture and they are strict rule followers and anybody who even dares to maybe even bend the rules or test the rules a little bit or color outside the lines a little bit. Yeah. You are demonized. You are ostracized. You can't be here. So that kills all innovation. Okay. Mm. And not only does it kill innovation, it basically discriminates away or filters out any sort of cultural diversity, any sort of competition of ideas gets naturally filtered out. Yep. Um, you mentioned Suarez. Suarez, when he did his handball in the World Cup on the goal line, you yeah, know, intentional yeah, yeah, yeah. handball to save the goal, whatever. Yep. Oh, my God, what a piece of shit cheater he is. Yeah. Like, how how low of a low human, human being you are, low yeah. class. Like, Never would have him. Like, like, all that sort of stuff. And they just think that their culture is superior, Kefren. It comes from a sense of superiority in, in many respects. I mean, again, I, I said forgive me a million times, but that's that's how it feels you know like yeah. they it feels like they are on the top of mount olympus looking down on somebody like suarez as a piece of shit human mm -hmm. and you gave suarez history it comes from all of that about playing in the park in the streets and what can you get away with you know to win the game anything yeah. To, to win, win the game. Win that the is game. the objective. So what do I need to do? Oh, if I do an intentional handball here, the goal mouth, well, I'm going to get a red card and get ejected. You know what? In two milliseconds, I'm making that judgment call. And I'm yep. like, yeah, I don't care if I get a red card. I'm saving this goal. And yep. even though it's going to be a PK, at least there's a 10% chance maybe that my team, Uruguay, my country will yep. survive this. I'm doing it. And all that in a split second. Yep. Yep. So, and, and, but still, here still you are, but here, yeah, but uh, yeah, but here yeah, we no, are, yeah. yeah, here we are saying you're a piece of shit human. Yep. I, I just don't agree with it. Yeah. I mean, it, hopefully people are, are, people are definitely more traveled now, but I think it's, yeah, spending time with others, man. It's a, it's big, man. It just helps you test everything about who you are, what you feel. And then, I mean, we're all a work in progress. So I just. I'm with you. I think it's uh, hopefully when it comes to U.S. soccer, I don't know, man. I, I Like I said, I haven't been there consistently now over for like four, four or five years now. So I'm always a little bit kind of lost on what's happening, to be honest. So I don't know what's happening at the youth levels and who's being hired as the coaches and what's the influence. But it was good to see Hugo Perez uh, start to get his flowers now with El, El Salvador. And people start to rec recognize how he was instrumental in the current U.S. national team, even in identification. Maybe uh, some of these players wouldn't have been even identified without him being there. Yeah, man. So many unsung heroes and pioneers in our country yeah. that yeah. the establishment does not want to acknowledge. They want to erase from history. Mm -hmm. and, and the media who share the same perspective, views, and culture also don't want to acknowledge and erase from history 
as well. It's sad. All right, bro. Is it is it cool I mean, if we cut it here? Yeah, bro. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you, man. <laughs> no, this was a great chat, man. We need to do it a little bit more often. We maybe we should do like a regular monthly, like a monthly check in. If that yeah. that sounds pretty reasonable, yeah, we can yeah, do down, once man. a month. Yeah, I'm down, um, bro. Let me know. Kev, thank you so much for making the time. Have yeah. a good night there. Hopefully, when I get back to Europe, um, and I'm in Holland, I can drop by, meet your kids a little bit, maybe even uh, meet your oh. wife and see the family at least yeah. once. You know, hey, you're more than welcome. We got, we'll make it happen. Appreciate you, man. All right. Good night. Hey, you too, bro. Be good, man. Well, that's it for today, guys. Thank you for listening. A reminder for coaches. You can get both the free and premium coaching programs at 343coaching.com. Don't let anyone tell you your teams can't win by playing dominant possession-based football while also developing individual players to the highest levels. Nonsense. We've proved it at every single level and so have hundreds of serious member coaches across the country. Now that we've moved on to the pro level, we're delivering everything we've learned in the program. Don't wait and continue delaying getting on a proven path. And parents, 343masterclass.com is where you want to go to get a working compass for navigating the American soccer landscape with your player. It's pretty bad out there, but let our experience guide you. And if you're interested in a solution that blends both academics and soccer, there's even the opportunity to do this in Europe as well. To learn more, visit acceleratorschool.com. Until next time, cheers everyone and keep building.